Hey, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger. And today we are going to have an episode on from zero to universal for Angular Universal. Should be pretty awesome as always. We're looking forward to it. So let's just get started. Uh, join us today as panelists. We've got Austin McDaniel. Austin, what's going on? How's it going, everybody? Really excited for today's episode. Cool. And we got uh, Bonnie Brennan with us. Bonnie, how's it going? Hi, it's good. I missed you guys last week. I couldn't make it and I was sad. So I'm glad to be back. Yes. Always and I'm happy to, have, uh, happy to have these two characters on as guests. That's pretty exciting. I wasn't going to miss this one for nothing. Nice. Nice. And those guests that we're, you're referring to, we've got Mike uh, Pizak with us. Mike, uh, Mark, sorry. How's it going, Mark? Got all my needs. I was going to say, it's, no, no worries. Hey, what's going on, guys? Glad to be here and uh, I'm excited. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, and then we got Jason Jean with us. Jason, how's it going? Hey, I'm happy to be here. Awesome. All right, so Angular Universal. Let's, uh, let's get into that. What, what is Angular Universal? So Angular Universal is when you take Angular, which is usually on the browser side, and you move it over to the server side as well. So it's your same app, but running in the server. Um, and the main purpose is to render your page on the server before it gets down to the client, and it'll allow for better start render times and SEO. Awesome, awesome. So you uh, you gonna walk us through some stuff on uh, on how we can be using this stuff um, and implement it and stuff like that? Yeah. So in a minute, I'll create a new Angular CLI app as you would normally do, and then add Universal to it and show how the APIs work. Nice. Um, nice. So what, wait, before we get started, like, what is universal like for the people that aren't familiar with like this, this term? So like back in the day, you would send your HTML all rendered out to the browser when people request the page. But like in maybe like 2012 or like 2013, everyone started using JavaScript frameworks. And you basically sent down a blank HTML with a JavaScript file that would contain the app. And then that would be relatively slow. So universal, because JavaScript has moved from like just being on the browser to also being like Node.js and other things like that able to run in the server, you're able to write JavaScript and then just run it in multiple places. So and we're going back to 2012 then, right? <laughs> so not only does, so now that you have the same app running on server and client, you can run them both. So I guess like there's different terms out there. Server-side rendering would be just the server side of it. And then client-side rendering would be what most people do now. But universal probably is better fit for like doing both. So running the app on server, giving it to the client, and having the client do the, the same application. Yeah, and a lot of people call it like isomorphic which sounds like a chemistry term, but it just basically means like the same code and like being used in multiple spots. So and that, that's What's the beauty the, of it. You, what would you write be, your app and- what would, be the, what would be the benefit to like doing something like this though? Uh, I mean, I guess kind of what Jason was saying, like you get kind of get faster initial paint, right? Like if you look at like a normal spot, any framework, right? We got when, once you load it, you kind of have just like a loading spinner for a while. And then eventually the app kind of, comes into itself and you can start using it, right? But with something like Universal, right when you go to the page, you immediately see the app, 
you know, that doesn't mean you can use it right away, but you can see it and it looks like you can. And, but in the background, it's actually bootstrapping itself. So it's kind of like the best of both worlds, kind of, you know. And this is the best for like content heavy sites. Mm -hmm. So if your app is something that's very dynamic, very interactive, like a code editor or something like that, you might not get the same benefits. But if you're producing like a blog post or just like your homepage, it would be very helpful. And I know this also has like some benefits for things like SEO as well, right? Like SEOing like single page applications has been traditionally like pretty tricky and this can probably help out with that as well. Yeah, so the problem with SEO in the past for client side is that normal like traditionally SEO crawlers and bots only get the HTML of your page and they don't run your JavaScript. So a lot of times you end up with like unrendered head tags. But with server-side rendering, all that stuff is done with the initial request, so they don't have to run JavaScript. But like, thankfully, Google has improved their SEO crawler so that they actually run JavaScript. But still, not everyone does. And so like, if you want to get the best search exposure for your site across all the search engines, then server rendering is the way to go. And for social as well, if you post to Twitter, Facebook, et cetera, they only read server-side rendered. I think that uh, social part's really interesting about it too, right? If you think about you have this Angular app that delivers content and you want to allow people to share links for it or whatnot, right? Um, if they share that through social media, then what is that snapshot going to look like that social media fills in there, right? And Universal can provide that potentially for you. Yep, it definitely can. So you've got this perceived performance that it can help you with, right? You've got this SEO stuff that you can help you with. Um, what about like uh, timed interaction and what are the kind of some of the challenges that come with that if we think about providing something that somebody can use right away, you know, before Angular bootstraps up and say like a form or something um, and user starts interacting with that information and, and then get that into the app. Is that something that it can do as well? Yeah, so Mark hit on this a little bit before. Um, it'll give you a better start render, but it won't really help your timed interactive. Um, it'll be negligible. Some people say it makes it worse, some people makes it better. But it definitely like has a different type of interaction, I'd say. Interaction as in like clicking on elements on the page and seeing like things respond, that it might not do. But in terms of getting the user engaged with your content, that it would do. Yeah, and, and I think Justin, you're I think you're hinting at something like preboot, right? I think right. So yeah, and in terms of that, like if let's say there's a form and they do start typing, if you have preboot set up, and it's something like Jeff Welpley wrote, a great little library. Um, it basically records all the events that they're doing, clicking or typing, and once the app does bootstrap, like on the client side, it's officially like ready to go. It replays all those events, so they actually don't even notice. Nothing skips a beat. They just, you know, in the middle of the text box as they're typing, it's still there. So, other if without that, it would actually go away because we're replacing the whole app. So I'm sure Jason will get into that. Yep. And, and is Universal something that's provided by the Angular team? Yeah, so as of version 4, it was put into the core APIs. So the render module factory method that I'll be showing later is from there. Very cool. 
And so then this is something that they're going to maintain and, and push forward as versions of Angular come out. I think we saw that recently with um, the latest, one of the latest releases of Angular and, and uh, Angular CLI. And you'll probably get into this with universal support getting kind of baked in there to help us out with that. Yep, it'll keep getting better and better. Very cool. Very cool. Does anybody else have any other questions or anything? Or are we ready to get to some code? Check some stuff out? Let's see the code. All righty. So I'm just going to start up a terminal right here. And um, just like any other Angular app, you can generate a new project with Angular. So if I generate a new universal air project, this will give me a bunch of files. Right? So this will basically be your run-of-the-mill Angular app, and it will boot up in the browser, and people will be able to use your app. So we'll just let all of those install. And afterwards, we're going to add Universal to it. And that's going to be done with another Angular CLI command. Now, uh, what version of the Angular CLI are you running right now for this? I think it's 168 or 167. We can see. I think this was introduced in one of the 1.6 releases. So. Make sure you're up to date with the Angular CLI. Yep, so 168. Cool. So let's just jump into this project. And so this is your regular Angular CLI project and Right now, it's only doing client-side rendering, but you can add Universal to it very easily. Um, it looks like a generate, and all you do is generate Universal. So that generates a bunch of stuff for you. It also gives you some new packages that you have to download. So it'll give you platform, platform server, and yeah. So we'll also install those. And it also made some adjustments to the Angular CLI.json. So this is the app that you usually get with a Angular CLI app. It'll basically duplicate it for a server app. And the key difference is down here, it has a platform of server. It'll also add some files for you. This is a different tsconfig file for the server side part of it. And it will also give you a different module for your server app. So how hey, it works hey, is based. Sorry, can, sorry. You, uh, can you increase the font size a bit for people? Sure. Cool. Yeah, thank you. Cool. Sorry. So how this works is you have your regular app.module. And usually, there would just be a browser module in here. And this will start bootstrapping your main app component. But um, for the server module, it basically imports the app module that we were just looking at. So it takes all of those things and it puts the server module on top of it. And what the server module does for you is it gives you a bunch of providers that are specific to being on the server as opposed to the providers that come from the browser module. 
And this allows you to build the same components and the same services, but some of the more underlying services that are different between browser and server are contained within the browser module and server module. So that is about it for getting started with Universal. This is a basic Universal app. Um, and then to build it, we would just do very similar to building the client side app. So I'm just going to create an npm script here and call it build server ng. But instead of building dash prod, you would tell it which app to build. So this tells Angular CLI to build the the like the index one of the CLI JSON, and that is the CL that is the JSON that we just generated there. So if I do npm run build server ng, we'll build the universal version of the app. I was going to say, also, you can name them as well, uh, just in case so to avoid confusion, things like that. Like right, right there, you can basically just do name on server. Yeah. Just in yeah, case someone has like 20 apps in here, something crazy. Yes, maybe we can mention for people who might not be familiar with the fact that uh, the Angular CLI supports these multiple apps inside of it that you can create. And it's essentially this, uh, like you were saying, this uh, schematic created another application for uh, the Angular CLI to know about. And now you can target those with dash dash app um, and, and build different ones, right? Yep. And that is like the core functionality behind this. So now that we have our bundle, I'm just going to go into like a node kind of environment. And we're just going to take a look at what's inside of it. So if I require in the uh, bundle, this will print out everything that it exports. Maybe I like. So it gives you your app server module, and this is going to be the module that you saw before in the app server module file. And it will also give you a lazy module map, which we'll use later. But um, since everyone should be using AOT for performance, I'm just going to switch the build over to an AOT build. And you do that like you normally would. So not only dash dash app, but also dash dash AOT afterwards. And what this will do for you is also give you the ng factory. So now if I do the node again, I see a app server module ng factory also there. So this is the ng factory generated during AOT. Can, can you tell everybody what you're doing there right now in the terminal for people who might not be familiar with that? Okay, so Node basically allows you to basically spin up what you would usually get in the console for a server application. So in a server application, or um, sorry, in a browser application, you would have your browser, and you'd be able to type code in your browser. Let me just show that. All right, so this is a browser. If I open up the 
term or the dev tools here, I can type out like that. Right. So this node gives you the same thing in these in your uh, terminal by just typing node. And if I switch back there. So this isn't like some crazy tool. If you have node installed, you basically already have this installed. So if I just start up node and I console.log out. Right. It will console log out high. So it just runs what I do, what you would usually write in a JavaScript file in the browser or in the terminal. Cool. That's a cool little tidbit. Yeah, super useful for exploring what the things that you require or before you actually jump in and write a new file. Any questions? Jason, I was going to say, just for other people, for like a little clarity too, um, you know, it looks like we're building two apps here. And uh, essentially, it's one app, right? But what we're really trying to do is build two different bundles. So that's kind of what Jason set up here is these different apps, if, if, uh, if you go over to the Angular CLI JSON, you can see they're both pointing to different files, right? So like this client side one's pointing to main TS. So that's kind of like the, the starting point, right? And then if he scrolls down a little bit, you can see main server TS, and that's the different starting point for the server bundle. And that's kind of like, there's that file and the different ng modules. Those are the two main differences between these two. And like Jason was saying, you're just kind of building like the starting point. What environment is this? You know, one does platform browser, one does platform server. Um, so you don't. Have to, you could think of it as two different apps, but more just you're ge generating different uh, bundled code, right? That runs in each environment. So yeah, and you can see from the modules that they basically they contain the same component. So even though we've generated two different apps per se. It's using the same component under the hood. And we'll see this later when I actually get this rendered out into a string. Does that clarify things? Hopefully, so, I didn't confuse anyone further. <laughs> uh, it's mostly just like an underlying thing you have to understand. But after this is all set up, you basically don't have to worry about this much at all. So that's the nice thing about building something isomorphic is that you do the platform setup once, and you just get to write a bunch of code that gets deployed to different platforms. So the next thing I'm going to do is try to use that bundle and render it out to a string. So that's the main premise behind Universal, is that it's not rendering out to your browser, but it's rendering out to a string on your server. So I'm going to create a new file here. I'm just going to call it server.ps. And I'm going to do a little bit of setup that allows me to build it. So we're going to need a TS config for this. And it's basically going to copy the existing TS config.server. Um, it's also going, it's just going to extend that one right there. So it's going to contain all the options, but it's going to basically output to a different directory. It will retain all this stuff. And we'll also need some node typings. So this will tell TypeScript that things that exist in Node that don't exist in like raw JavaScript will also be available for this bundle because of where it gets executed. 
And I created this file, but it's not really supposed to be in the other comp compilations. So we're just going to go ahead and exclude those as well. So over here in your exclusions, just add the server.ts. And that will exclude it from the compilation there. Now, when I go and build the server application, um, the same thing will basically happen. It will work. And if I type something in here, I'm going to write a script to build this with TypeScript. So I'm just going to copy this one over, name this one build server for TypeScript and use regular TypeScript to just compile that file. So this will point TypeScript compiler to the new tsconfig that I just created. And I'm also going to tell this compilation to just look at the server.ts. Obviously, it will not be excluded. And what happens now when I build the server for the TypeScript sign? I get an error, of course. And then we debug. Okay. So the, uh, the tsconfig uh, server JSON file, that was something that came from the uh, schematic that you ran for Universal, is that correct? Yes. And then now you're creating your own one that you're extending from that to build the server, the node code that you're creating. Yep. So this one comes when you do the generate universal up here. As you can see, it also generates you a tsconfig.server.json. So I'm basically extending that one, keeping most of these settings the same, but just outputting it to a different directory, which will be the exact directory. And this will be something that we can execute. So the mistake before was in my package.json, I was just pointing to this file name, but I created the file in the source directory. So we get to point it to the source directory and now things should work. And this is just basically how you would build a regular node app with TypeScript. So now if I run this file, with node, you can see that it executes the console log high, and you get to see high. So if you're not used to working in node, that is basically a hello world. And now that we have a file where we can write into, we're going to do a lot more stuff here. Any questions before I go further? Is uh, this part for the node server side, is that a requirement? to do universal, or could you use other um, things like .NET or something like that? So you can use .NET. Um, basically, what happens is you run Node behind the scenes, and then .NET hooks into the Node executable. I think Mark would be a better person to talk about this. Yeah, at the, at the end of the day, you're, you're always going to need Node in one form or another. So. Even in like the .NET Core implementation, basically spinning up a really small node server really quickly, doing all of this, and then it's just passing a string to .NET, which passes a string to the browser. So there's no, unfortunately, no way around it. But 
as Jason will show, it's there's really not that much code, luckily. So pretty simple. So just like I did below in the node command line interface, I'm going to require in the bundle. And this is going to come from the server main.bundle. And I'm going to get the app server module ng factory out of this, and also the lazy module map for later. So if I go ahead and console log those two, and I rebuild this. When I run it again, you'll see the two things log out. And now we can import in from Angular. So this imports the render module factory from Angular platform server. And what this will do is it will give us a function. So if I console log that out, we see it's a function called render module factory. And how this works, um, TypeScript should tell us actually, is that we can pass in a ng module factory, which we have up here and also a document, a URL, and if we want some extra providers, and return us a promise of our application, basically. So before I go any further, I'm going to jump over to a browser and show what we expect to come out of this. So I'm just going to ng-serve the app, the same app that I'm building here. So. Uh, it's off screen, but I'm just typing ng-serve in the command line, and that'll basically build the browser version of the page. And when we hit the home page of that, we see the app. And this is all client-side rendered still. Um, you can see if we view the source, we basically get nothing. All we have in the body is our app root, and if we disable JavaScript, Go ahead and disable JavaScript somewhere. Any debugger? We are left with nothing. So this is what your client, what your users will be seeing on the first network request that comes back. And there's some things you can do with this, like block JavaScript. But if they can't execute JavaScript, this is all they see. So what we're basically going to do is with JavaScript enabled, you can see that all these elements appear in your app root. So the stuff that you have in your app component, so for the normal CLI app that you get, you get an H1, you get an image, you get some links to other pages that are helpful references. But all this stuff doesn't exist until the JavaScript executes. Does that make sense? Yep. 
So now that we see what we expect, we're going to jump back into the code and see how we can do that. So this ng-factory file has the same ability to create all that stuff, but it doesn't belong in the browser. It belongs in the server. So if I take this function, I'm just going to create a asynchronous function that gets executed. So I can use the async await. And what I'm going to do here is get my HTML. And I'm going to await the result of render module factory after passing in app server module factory. I'm just going to give it some places to start. So it's going to start at the home page. And I'm going to give it a document to render. This is a string. And ideally, you want this to be the same as your index.html. But for now, I'm just going to give it a blank app roots. Sorry, I'm just going to politely hang up that phone call. But ask Mark a question. So, uh, what a, so can you explain the document again a little bit in terms of what is going in here? Like, are we building our whole HTML document here, just part of it? Basically, yeah. So I think Jason here is just trying to show um, he's passing in the app root, right? So that's what our application is expecting, right? We have that root app component as the selector's app root. So in this case, he's going to take the bundle, run it through render module factory, and we'll see it actually creates all the HTML that like we, he just showed on the client side, right? So um, I think this is just for demo purposes. Soon, I'm sure he's going to show we can grab, like typically in Node, we can grab our index.html file, actually pass that in. And that index.html file is the, the typical one you use with the CLI. So you'll get in. And URL, of course, is the whatever your current route is. So in this case, home page, just the em or empty path, right? But um, as with any node server, for every request, you're going to get like slash about, slash products, whatever, right? So um, you could be passing those in specifically. Uh, and all that's going to do is actually build out those specific routes in Universal. All right. Probably jumped ahead a little bit. But. So I'm back. Uh, yeah, so this document is just the bare minimum we need to render our app. What Angular does is it takes your main component and finds a selector. And that's how it knows where to start in your document. So I'm just going to give it a really basic document. But I will jump forward later, and we'll get it from the index.html. So if I build this out, when I run this, we'll console log out the HTML that comes back from render module factory. And we will get, ah, yes. Angular requires zone. So we're going to import a zone.js. But instead of the normal one, we're going to get a node version of zone. And instead of hooking into the browser asynchronous events, this will hook into the node asynchronous events. So we're just going to build that again. And we have our HTML. So just like before, in our main app root here, we get all the stuff that we used to get in the browser, but on the server. So we have an H1 tag. We have the image tag and the list of links. 
And we also have all that, the body in the HTML. So that wrote all that out for us, correct? Yep. So if you were to send this to a browser, you wouldn't need JavaScript to show all this information. It would already be there. So we're going to do that in a little bit. But as Mark said, usually you want this to match your index HTML. So because I did a server build, I'm also going to write a client build, which will build the app on the client side. This one is not going to target the server app. It's just going to target the first app or the default app. And I'm going to build that with AOT. And that will give me the normal distributable that you would get with Angular CLI. So this gives you all of your bundles, plus it also gives you your index HTML. And as we saw before, this has nothing inside the app room. But it does have all your JavaScript files and so forth. And this basically allows the browser to then render all your content. But what we're going to do is basically read this file to a string. So if I go back to the server executable file, before we do all this, we're going to import two things. So path is going to allow us to manipulate the paths on our file system and find what we need. And I'm going to import fs as well. And fs basically stands for your file system. And this will allow us to get the document. So in Node, you get this name variable that's available globally and we're going to and that basically tells you the location of your working directory in this file so wherever this file is executed that will be the directory so if we go to path and we resolve their name with we're going to go up a directory so this will be executing from here we're going to go up a directory into the dist and get the index.html. So this is the path of our index. We'll just call that index path. What we're going to do with fs is read a file synchronously, and we're going to give it that path. I'm just going to comment this out so we can focus on what the top part is doing. But this is basically our index. And if we console that out, we should see the contents that we saw before. So if I build out this file again and execute it, we get a buffer. <laughs> Unfortunately, that is not what we want. And uh, refile sync actually gives you a buffer of the file which if you're not familiar is basically just all the bytes of the file, but not human readable. So we're going to convert that over to a string. And there you can see the same contents that we were looking at before. You see the head, the body with an empty app root, and all the JavaScript. So now that we have this index, 
we're going to pass that in as the document instead of this really basic one. And now what should happen is we're going to render our app into the index file that we just read from. And this is what would usually happen in your browser. So the your client will get a document or your index.html, and they'll see that, and then they'll execute your application and render that into the index. So this is the same as what's happening in the browser. We're just going to do it on the server. I'm going to go ahead and build that. And now, as you can see, we have the rest of the document before. We have our title. We have the app root. And all the information is inside the app root. That's awesome. So now my question is, like, when the app starts up, is Angular going to like freak out because like half the apps are here? Yeah. So usually it would freak out, but if we go back to the app module. Instead of just including a browser module, we're telling the browser module that it should expect some stuff to be there. And it's going to transition from the server render. So this enables the browser side that have the app and continue on from there. What's that app ID you're specifying there? What's that for? So this app ID is used for a unique indicator. So as we see in our server application, um, we have some styles for our component. Well, there's no styles in there, but if we were to write styles in our component CSS, we would see them in there. And they get this ng transition attribute called server app. And if I change this app ID to universal error app, we would see the same thing, but with our unique ID. And what this will allow the browser version to do is to remove all of those styles and replace it with the, the ones that we want. Yeah, and, and Austin, what that yeah. does too is that prevents like a flicker from happening. Because sometimes what happens is you get those server-generated styles, then the browser creates its own, and the IDs might be different, right? You know those like weird GUIDs, like ng content, whatever. This kind of helps make sure it re like uses those to kind of replace it. Otherwise, you get this like your app looks nice, then it's like blank and then nice again. So but, yeah, that's awesome. That was that was what I was thinking. Like, will it be like some type of like transition where like something might jump, and that's that's ingenious that they've already taken care of that. Yeah, yep. it helps a lot. The nice thing about Angular is that it takes care of a lot of these nuances for you. So things that you wouldn't expect, um, Angular probably already has it figured out for you. So if we jump back in here, we can see that the Universal Air app did generate. And if I were to change my component, so this is my regular component, and I were to add some other links here, if I wanted to star a couple of these, right? Let's make this one bold. And we have our, our spec file, but our CSS file. If I give bold like a font weight of bold, 
that will get rendered as well. So I'm just going to rebuild that for the Angular version of the build. And we're going to rebuild the TypeScript version of the server build. And then rerun that. And we can see that the styles get there as well. So this takes care of all styling of your application plus all rendering of your application. But it does not take the interactivity. And that gets introduced when the server or when the JavaScript loads here. That's really beautiful. Thank you. So now that we have our application rendered to a string, um, it's no good if we just keep it on the server. So we're going to go ahead and create an express application here so that we can respond to a request from a user and transfer the same thing that we generated here in the HTML over to the user. So I'm going to npm install in express. And we don't have to use Express for the record, right? Like you can use anything. You could use Node out of the box, in fact, uh, with its HTTP server just to serve these. We just need something to serve it. Yeah. So you can actually just output this into a file. So before I jump into Express, this console logs out the HTML. But if I wanted to just render once, this content like never changes, I could just basically pipe this into a out file. So I can call this like rendered.html. I'm just going to drop that in dist. I will execute the same thing and render it out to a rendered HTML. So now you can just serve the rendered HTML instead of the index HTML. And what your users will see is your whole app instead of just a blank app root. So and this if is. It, if you do it like this, you don't even have to have a node server running. You could just have something like Nginx serve this static file for you, correct? Yep. Or you can upload this to a CDN somewhere and just static host it. So even without needing to buy a server somewhere or upload this to a, a cloud service, you can just do this locally on your machine. You can execute a job a server application and output it to a file. And this is what the app shell would do for you, but that's another story. Hey, look, Jeff made it. Hey, Jeff joined us. What's up, guys? How's it going? Hey, Jeff, come learn about Universal with us. This is really cool. You got to check this out. Yeah, I'm watching. So I got a question. Should we just be doing this? I mean, is there a reason why we would not, up to this point of what you've showed, like, is is there any reason why we would decide not to do this as Angular developers? So the nice thing about developing applications is that we build huge applications. And the, the, con like the component right now is very static. Um, this stuff never changes, except for maybe the title. Um, but even that, if you look into the component source, that's also static. So this is basically all static. And it makes total sense for a really static app to do it this way and just to serve them a rendered file. But if you had a server or like an API call that you would make that generates new ones over and over and over again, so we could maybe, um, so you saw before when we were rendering the file 
we gave it a URL. So we're only rendering one thing right now, but this URL could be the like page one of your application, and that could go all the way into like page, you know, hundred thousand or so. But you could be like doing that for a really long time, and it's better to at that point to just wait until those pages are hit before you render that file. And like for far enough into your app lifetime, you'll probably gain just an insurmountable amount of pages that you don't want to run all of these executions. And you might decide that like, you know, since this was this page was built in 2018, it is now 3018 and we don't want to like render that again. So you just serve the old version. That could also work. But if you want to refresh the look and feel of your app over and over again and your content, then you're probably going to want a server to do this on request time. So it, it depends on your app. If your app is mostly static, and say you only have a blog with five articles, you could server render all those articles locally, upload them to a CDN, and just serve the different files. But if you have like, if you're a search engine like Google, they're not going to want to store like every single person's search in there. And they're going to do that in the request time. So in order to change this over to something that we can use, we're basically going to start a server. So you just call the express function after you import it. And this will give you a server. And later on, you can listen, tell that server to listen to a specific port. So we're just going to go with port 4000 so it doesn't conflict with the other one. And this gives you a call, this executes a callback when it's done. So I'm just going to tell the server that we can now visit the page at localhost 4000. So this is what you need to start a server. I'm just going to comment stuff out because it's not relevant at the moment. But this creates the application that would be on the server. And this tells the application to start listening at port 4000 on this machine. And before I go a little bit further, I'm just going to show how we can use this. So you can tell it to listen for certain types of requests. So this would be a get request. And if I hit the home page here, it's going to execute this function. And what this function has is a request object and a response object that it passes into you. So every time that the server is hit at this URL from the browser, which is a get request, it will get a request object. And then you can use the response to send back some information. So if I take the response and send back hello Angular Care, this will be the content of the request. So I'm going to build that. You just make this all look so simple. Yeah, I'm just going to fire up a server real quick and do this. Here's your API. Two lines. I've been on the shoulders of giants. Like I didn't build <laughs> Express or anything like that. So it's really thankful for them that they allow people to do this. 
You're just yeah, so chill well. when you're coding. And then it's like, oh, I'm just going to do it. And it's like, wait, wait, what did you just do? Oh, that was cool. Yeah, a lot of this stuff might seem uh, strange to someone if you haven't seen Node. But like this, a lot of stuff Jason's showing is like fairly common, or actually really common stuff in Node. So if you look at like almost any tutorial, you'll you can pretty easily get a grasp around what get is and how to start an express server and stuff like that. So. So this is our server that we just started running. If I visit port 4000, I can see that it says hello Angular Air. If I view source of this file, this is exactly what I just sent in the response.send. So now we can connect the dots and send the application that we just server rendered into the response. So for review, this is the string that I sent from this response. But instead of that string, we're just going to drop in this code from before. We're going to get rid of this async wrapper over here and just call this function async. We're going to await, once again, the render module factory. We're not going to render page. 999,000, but instead our home page again, since that is the page people are getting here. And instead of console logging out HTML, we're going to send that over. So once we built this out, when we visit our home page, or, well, this is interesting. I'll get back to that. We render the home page. Here it is, server rendered and client side rendered after that. Um, sorry, we also need to serve up the assets. Oh, sorry, did we miss all of that on the browser? We didn't see the browser. We saw yeah, the let, me, let me rewind five seconds. I was doing stuff in the browser. Something so, cool just happened. Trust him. Now I can do it right. So despite what the console says, if I hit port 4000, because I send the HTML of the application, here's our application server rendered. And actually, to my like convenience, these are all 4.4ing because we're not serving them from the server yet. So this is a totally server rendered app. Client-side bundles aren't coming in. And if I click a link here, it will work. This will link me to the Tour of Heroes tutorial that you should totally check out. And if I look at the view source, I see all the content that we had before in our file. And it's done with hitting the browser. Cool. And so then the reason that those are 404ing is because you're serving you created the server to serve those assets, and obviously you you haven't handled those other assets through that server request, right? Yeah, so I can show how to do that now. Um, usually you'd want to upload those assets to a separate server that would just be responsible for serving assets, but for development purposes, you can, once again, use path to get your dist. So this one is going to be our disk path. And Express gives you the ability to use middleware 
So that's what we're going to do here. And they also give you something called express.static, it should be. And you just pass in the path. And I'm going to give it a configuration object just to say index is false. So usually what happens when you serve a static directory is if it finds the index HTML at the directory you're hitting, it will serve the index HTML. But I don't want that, so I'm just going to tell it false. So we're going to go ahead and build that. And now we should see the, yes, let's come in. So I'm going to hit the page again, and all of our assets came in. We see that Angular is running on the client side as well. So uh -huh. yes. now we have server rendered and client rendered, the same application, and it works on both. So a couple questions. Uh, is, uh, is there any plan for the server code that you just wrote, the Express server, to be possibly something that the CLI provides that we could get from the, the schematics or scaffolding? Does anybody know about that? There is no plans at the moment, but because schematics are awesome, you can easily write your own. So anyone in the community that would like to contribute that would be great. And if you just want to see it happen, create an issue and we'll take a look. Cool. And then we have another question about uh, like the workflow, development workflow for watching changes and having all of this stuff kind of rebuild and things like that. Um, is, are we pretty close to that? Uh, is that pretty simple? So Angular CLI lets you watch for changes when you do builds. Um, for watching builds, it's actually pretty simple. So all of these different builds have a watch equivalent. So I'm just going to go ahead and copy all of these, and we'll show you the watch equivalent. So I'm going to npm run build client for my watch client. But instead of just doing that, I'm also going to add a dash watch or a dash w. And we're going to do the same thing down here and down here. And thankfully, these are all relatively similar in what they look like. So they all accept a dash w, which tells the build to watch it. Um, this will be TypeScript. So now when I run build, or when I watch the TypeScript server, You see that complication compilation has been complete. If I go in here and insert some code, it will have detected files changed and also render or compile the new version of that code. So this is how you can get all of these builds to watch for file changes. So I would start all of these. And a cool library you can use for that I wanted to just watch everything it is called concurrently. So you can just chain these all together. So concurrently allows you to execute multiple different commands in parallel and also to keep them alive. So what I just did is say concurrently run these three commands at the same time. So I'm just going to go ahead and install concurrently. 
Can you also mention the those double dashes that you have in there and those NPM scripts right before the dash W of what that does? Yeah, so for when you do NPM run something, I'll just have a like NPM run echo, and this will just echo something out. You can tell it to provide NPM run echo now. It'll echo nothing. But if I put a dash dash, anything after this is basically something it will pass into the function that you wrote here. So if I pass in hello world, this will pass it to echo, which is up here. And then the rest of the arguments after the dash dash, and that would be hello world. So echo hello world comes out. So in this instance, it's passing the dash W to the ng build. So what that looks like in the console is you'll see watch client. And over here, it's doing an ng build dash dash AOT, but also with a dash dash W, or which dash W. Learn something new every day. I, I actually never knew that, the dash dash. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a nice way of like passing almost like parameters, like to a function. Sorry, you know what I mean. Like you can pass any anything you want to it. Chaos Monster said in the chat that it took him two weeks last week to figure that. Two hours last week to figure that out. I was like, that's the best way to learn because you'll never forget it again. So now when I run watch, we're going to see all three of those things not work. Um, watch server ts. You got to do uh, npm run watch. Right, right. right. So all three of these, we'll just npm run those. So this becomes npm run watch client, npm run watch server, ng watch server ts. And we'll see all three of those things going on at once. TypeScript has finished compiling. The server applications finished compiling and the browser applications finish compiling. So anytime I make changes in any of those files, this will start up a watcher for all of that stuff. And it will just re-trigger the build. Very nice, very nice. Hey, so uh, Jason, Mark, Jeff, we're getting to the top of the hour, uh, but we can go over if you guys have time. Would you like to stay and keep Show us more stuff, or do you have hard stop? Uh, however you guys want to do. I have time. Yeah, I have time as well. All right, because I know there's a couple more stuff. things you want to cover, right? And uh, I think we all want to see it. <laughs> so yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we're going to stick around if you, if you want to keep going. Cool. So at the point we're at now, we have a dev environment with all this file watching, and we have a server that's capable of sending down the HTML that we generate from our application. As you can see, I changed something in the file and it recompiled itself. So this allows us to do this for the home page. Um, when we start adding more pages to our site, we will need more of these. So the next thing I'm going to show is how to add a lazy loaded route to your application. So I'm just going to generate a module for routing. 
and we're just going to call this a lazy module. I'm going to check that this runs correctly with the drive run, and it does. So I'm going to go ahead and generate that, and we get these new files here. So this has a routing module here, and in our app module, I will also bring in the router module from Angular Router. And I'm also going to import that after our browser module. So router module here, and I'm going to give it some routes. So I'm going to give it a path of lazy, and I'm going to load children from, it's going to be dot slash lazy, lazy dot module, and it's called lazy module. Don't forget to make it an object. So that is one of our routes. It's going to say, here's a lazy route. I'm going to load this child, which goes then to load this lazy module right here. So I'm just going to add a component into there. So that's something comes in. You can see that this runs nice. So it's going to create a component for me and add it to the lazy module. So this gives me the component, and I'm going to go ahead and in the lazy routing module, which is for children routes, I'm going to give this a route, give it a path of nothing, and give it the component of lazy component. And this is going to be good for your browser side code. Um, all the stuff that I'm doing right now is not for just the server, it's also for the client. So this is stuff that you should be relatively familiar with. And when it hits your app, it's going to say, I see that you're trying to visit the lazy page. It's going to say, load the lazy module. We're gonna go here. That has a lazy routing module here. And that says, oh, I see you're at the empty route in the lazy routes. And it's going to go ahead and load the lazy component which is right here. And that's going to show up saying lazy works. So now when I recompile everything, I'm just going to use my little watcher here. So that's gonna go through all the builds and do it once. And if I go back to the server, and now instead of doing that, I also listen for slash lazy here. And when the lazy route gets hit, I'm going to render out the lazy routes. Also using the same index as before that we have here. And I try and do this. So if I go over to my browser, I'm also going to run the file. So we put that into an exec server, I think. All right. So we can visit the home page as before. This is our home page. 
But if we visit our lazy page, it's not going to work that well. So what's happening here is the server is throwing an error because it requires a little bit more to load lazy routes. Because of the way that the bundle was built, some of the lazy routes were not compiled into the bundle. So if we take a look at our output from the CLI for our server, we only have a main bundle. We don't have the lazy loaded bundle. So what we're going to do about that is we're going to bring in a module called the module map. I still see in the browser. Sorry. So what I was just saying is that when we generated our browser or server bundle, it didn't catch the lazy routes. And this has to do with the way it's bundled. So we're going to bring in the ng-universal module map loader. And this basically allows you to pass in a map of modules that you want to load lazily, most likely. So I hope that's the name. I think it's ng module map reloader. That's a really ridiculously long name that most people don't remember. Long names See, are challenging to deal with. You only have to do it once, though, so it's kind of nice. Um, so we've brought that in. And what that allows you to do is when we go to- Hey, Jason, uh, some people can't see the console because, uh, Jason, some people can't see the console because in the Hangout, the picture of all of our faces are covering where you're typing into the console. If you kind of like move that up maybe slightly. Okay. So just move it up here, make it bigger. What I did was I installed the NG Universal module map ng factory loader and that was installed and the error from before if people didn't see is that it's trying to oh lovely call stacks it's trying to use system.js or whatever to load it but it's not going to be able to find it so we're going to go ahead and remedy that with this angular provided module so what we can do with this is import it. So this gives us a provide module map function. Module map ng factory loader. Thank you, autocomplete. And we're going to use that down here when we want to provide some extra providers. And we're just going to provide a model map with the lazy model map that we had from way back in the beginning. So I'm going to put that there. But I'm also going to show what that looks like here. I'm going to copy this down into the lazy version of it. We're going to simplify this code a little bit in a second. But now when I run, so all this stuff has been built in the background since my watcher is open. But I'm just going to console log out the lazy module map so that people can see what it is. I'm going to go ahead and rerun all of these just to make sure it has the latest ones. When I execute this, it 
has not finished building yet. Be patient. Give it a second. And now we have a map that looks like this. You don't have to worry about this on a kind of like day-to-day -day basis, but what it does is it gives you the load children string that we had from before. So dot loss lazy, lazy dot module, lazy module. And this is the same thing that we had in here. And now what we'll be able to do is we'll be able to bring in a provider, which will say, whenever we want to load children, we're going to use a special map. And that key refers to our factory from before. And this is our lazy module factory. So what you'll need to do is in the app server module, we're also going to bring in another module. So I'm going to bring in the module map loader. Something like this. And this is going to come from module map and the factory loader. I think so. Aha. So we're going to import that into our application as well. We gave it the, we provided the map that it's going to use down here. So now everything gets rebuilt. We should be able to execute this and hit our lazy route. Let me switch over to the browser. Uh, there's one more thing I have to do, actually. So we've brought in a routing module here, but we have no router outlet for it. So I'm just going to go and provide one. So above the links, I'm just going to put a router outlet, not a full router. Hey, Jason, you know you're not sharing your screen anymore. Oh, well. I think which is fine with us. There you go. <laughs> Sorry. So backtrack. What we did is we went to our app server module, and we brought in this module map loader module from the same package that we just installed. This is our module map loader module. And also what I forgot before is even though we brought in our route, we did not give a router outlet for that route to render in. So I'm just going to add one right here. So we should expect stuff to come in right under the Angular logo. We had a question about the lazy module map. Uh, what where is that getting built from? Is that Universal building that? Is it the CLI building that? Or where does that come from? So that is CLI building it. Um, that gets distributed as part of the main module bundle. And somewhere in this generated code, we'll have a lazy module map. And this is, it gets baked into here. Uh, under the hood, Webpack is building this. But yeah, it's generated by the CLI. Thank you. So now that we've fixed all our mistakes, we should be able to hit the page and see some lazy loaded content. Let me switch over to the browser. We see that the lazy works. So this is a lazy route. This is the non-lazy route. I'm going to add some styles so that we can see that even clearer. Let's just go ahead and make 
all of the P tags, font size of 30 pixels. Hopefully that will help. If I load up the lazy page here, we'll see how lazy works. Very nice. So, you didn't have to add a whole lot of code on the universal side to kind of start implementing this. That's pretty cool. Nope. And that's basically a one time thing. Now that I've added that, we can just like put as many lazy modules as we want, and we don't have to change the configuration. Uh, most of the stuff that we're seeing here is just the first time through and setting it up. But once it's set up, it's really easy. So as we provide more lazy modules, this lazy module map will just get bigger and bigger and bigger, and you can have as many as you want. And then just provide them for each route, and we'll see how to make this easier as well. So this lazy module map contains this match, uh, the lazy module, and any others that you will build in the future. One small thing, though, is if we look at the browser, we're going to see a little flash. So you'll see the page loads, and it has LazyWorks. If we look at the source, we see LazyWorks here as well. But as you can see, it goes away for a second. And it's going to be more pronounced if we go ahead and emulate a slow network. So if I say we're on slow 3G, and I load this, it's going to have some styles that are not nice. And eventually, all the JavaScript will load, and it will eventually get there. But it's nice that even on a slow connection, you can see most of the content is already here. And this thing will keep loading for a while because I'm not minifying anything. It's downloading all the vendors. And Jeff could probably speak to this more too, that another great use case for Universal is kind of slower devices like this. You know, if you think most of the world is on 3G, not everyone has super fast internet and Wi-Fi like we do. So to for someone on a slower mobile device to get them to see your application quicker, uh, the odds of them backing out and just bouncing is a lot lower. So I forget the exact statistics, but I remember Jeff talking about it a while back. So generally, you want your application to render something in under a second or two. And after that, I'm not going to put out numbers without verifying them, but a significant amount of your audience will bounce because people are lazy like that. 5,000%. I was just going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody. Yeah. But as we can see, with Universal, you're able to get that content there quickly. So now that I've shown the little flash, we're going to fix it. The router module allows you to also give in some options when you do for, for root. So it allows you to give a config, which is extra options that you can give. So after I give it the routes, I'm going to give it this configuration object. And I'm going to tell it to wait for initial navigation before it paints anything. So the way that looks is I pass in a config option after the routes, and it says initial navigation enabled. And now if I rerun the bundle, we should see the 
flash go away. And now you can see everything loads and there's no flash. That's on fast3G. If I go to regular internet speeds, you can see that there's no flash here. So even if the lazy part of your app is the full thing, you're not going to see a ugly flash. Nice. Now that option is something that's not universal specific. Is that correct? It's just for the router. So even if we're not using universal, we could solve it with that way. Is that correct? Yep. Uh, what it does is it waits for your app to fully finish loading the routes and stuff like that on your when you initially hit the page before it actually adds everything to the page. So if you want this for some reason, if you have an admin page, which requires some route, um, like some route logic or some guards, then you would want to use that there possibly as well. So now that we have all that up and running, we have a lazy part of the app. We have a regular part of the app all running. I'm going to show you how to make it simpler. So before we said we're using Express, you could use the regular node uh, HTTP library. But Express lets you, it gives you a framework to make servers a little bit better. So first off, what I'm going to do is that we can see that these are very similar. These two blocks right here are very similar. I'm just going to go ahead and make a for loop for those. So if my routes, so these are my server routes. I'm going to say dot or slash and also slash lazy. And then we're going to loop over that. Right, so for each of these routes, we're going to execute something that looks like this. So that's half our code deduplicated. That's just a normal for loop. So instead of always doing slash, we're going to tell the app to listen for the routes that we have up here and also render in that route as a URL. And then what we can do further from here is the NG Universal NPM, uh, I guess, package or whatever. The group will also give you a Express Engine. So NG Universal Express Engine. I'm going to go ahead and install that in. And what an engine is, is basically it's a middleware that renders a certain type of file. So you can do an express app.engine and give it the ng express engine, which I'm going to import here. Engines are like templating engines, in case anyone's like kind of wondering. So for all HTML templates, we're going to use the ng express engine. And what this allows you to do is accept some options here. And what we're going to do is tell it to bootstrap our module from before. So this is the application that's going to bootstrap. And then we're also going to give it some providers. So you noted 
before I added this to do diff two different routes, now we can just add it to that field. And provide this out for any of the applications we'll be rendering with the server. And then down here, instead of doing the render module factory, we can use express here. So because we have an engine up here, we can now say response.render. And what we do here is we give it the path of the file that we want to render. So you saw here that I had to identify my index path, and then I read that file out so that I could eventually give it to the render module factory here. But what we're going to do is we're going to get rid of that. And we're just going to give the index path over to the response.render. So this will be the index path. And it's also going to have some uh, configuration objects here. And we're just going to make it aware of the request and the response. What this is going to do for us is provide the request and response to our Angular app that we can use later. So if all of that worked, everything's compiled, I start up the server again. If we're going to our browser, everything should work as it did before, but we should have a little bit simpler code. So as we can see, you still get the server rendered application. And this is from the engine that we just put in. Um, all the engine does behind the scenes is it uses the render module factory function. So most of what I just showed is already done for you in that package. And if I go to lazy, once again, it also works. And it gets server rendered. I think I went a bit fast there. Does anyone have any questions? Jason, I was going to say people might be a little bit overwhelmed because this is a lot of like setup and stuff. Could you maybe show them um, like the CLI docs for this or maybe the universal starter just so they can kind of take a look at where they should maybe get a good starting point for this? So we're, you know, where it's all baked in already. Or... Yeah, so there's a couple good resources that I use when I have questions about stuff. One of those is just to get started with the um, building an application. The CLI has great stories for you to build basically any kind of application that you might want with the Angular CLI. And there's going to be stories here. So if I wanted to build something with Angular Fire, you could do this. But all the way down to the bottom is universal rendering. And this will allow you to go through all the steps in figuring out how you build a server application, most of which I just showed. So that's a great resource. And then to see more about those libraries that I've been using, you can go to the slash angular slash universal repository. And in each of those packages, they should have a decent readme. So as we see, it tells you to use the engine. It also tells you to use the res.render and to provide the request and response. Make sure you do not 
pay attention to the universal.angular.io. That was like, it, it's near the top of search rankings if you look for Angular Universal, but it, the documentation is like way outdated. Yeah. Yeah, so just any go to GitHub. Because, oh, sorry, go ahead, Jason. Yeah, just go to GitHub. Um, the microsite that was up before is from Angular 2, and we are now Angular 5. So since then, things have changed, and it has not been updated. Yeah, we, we're, it's a long story. We're going to take it down, but it's just uh, we need to get the owner of that repo is actually uh, not uh, in communication right now, so, which otherwise it would be taken down already. So uh, just if you're listening to this, just ignore that. Yeah, and ignore any articles you see that uh, talk about Angular 2-Universal. That was the, the older, previous, still awesome version, but the, the way you use them is completely different. So. Right. So another thing you could do is David East has a great YouTube video about server-side rendering and uploading it to the cloud. Um, if you want to not purchase your own server, but just deploy the function code, you can check out that video as well. Nice. Nice. All right. Well, uh, probably should hit the end, wrap things up. Uh, this is a lot of information, a lot of awesome, good information. Uh, you really took us through a, uh, an incredible journey of uh, breaking the stuff down and showing the stuff. Um, I'm very excited. I hope everybody else is very excited too. So. Definitely. I was actually really impressed because that was like live coding for over an hour and never at any point did you panic. And if you made a mistake, we didn't know it because you totally kept your cool. And I've seen some speakers that like have panicked in the middle, myself included. So that was really good. I was really impressed. Don't let it go to your head. Yeah, so it was very well done. We appreciate it a lot. All right, well, let's do some picks. Uh, unless there's any last thing that anybody wants to add to the universal story right now before we get to I guess I was just going to say some people are asking some questions now. It's like, would code execute again on the client? Um, there's things like, you know, is platform browser, is platform server? Um, can I can I throw in my picks and go? Because I'm, I'm late for a meeting, oh. actually, but I didn't want to <laughs> miss this. But if I could throw in my picks and then bail, and y'all can go back and ask uh, answer questions, if that's OK with you guys. Go for it. Echo. OK, real quick, I have two picks. Uh, one of them is actually for anybody who's really interested in this talk, it's very related because uh, Jeff Welpley and Nathan Walker are going to do a talk at NGConf that I'm actually pretty excited about, uh, Universal and Native Script. So that's, that's definitely one. Uh, and the other one is, uh, and I'm glad Austin's not here anymore because I don't want it to go to his head either, but he wrote a really good article uh, on Twitter about real fake mock data. Uh, and I thought it was great, and uh, so I wanted to pick that, and we can tweet out a link to it after the show. And that's it for me, and I have to drop you guys because I'm late for a meeting. That was awesome. That was really, really good. You did a great job. Thank you, and thank you. get ready for your meeting. <laughs> yes, thanks, Bonnie. Thanks, Mike. All right, so Mark, did you so, want to finish that real quick, or? Yeah, I forget what I was going to say. Um, yeah, I think the problem is we could probably go on and on about this for like hours, days, weeks, because I mean, there's it's endless with caching. And if you have Redis or, you know, there's so many things in Node itself that's so outside of the scope of Angular. But 
I think for people that really want to get started, uh, the CLI story is great. That's like if you want to move your existing app. And then if you just want to get one, maybe start from Universal, check out the Universal Starter, where a lot of the stuff is kind of baked in. And you can play around with it and kind of get a feel for it, what everything does, without worrying about all the wiring up, because that's a little bit confusing. But um, And as for some of the other stuff, uh, transfer state, um, that's part of platform server now. We didn't get a chance to look at that. I forget, Jason, is there an example in the starter about that? or Maybe, maybe not. But I don't know about um, the starter, but I talked about him. I talk in NJ Atlanta. Yeah, there you go. That one out. I got Jason's talk there. Um, and yeah, then so we, some of the other stuff. Really quick, um, Bonnie had mentioned um, Jeff's upcoming talk, right, for NGConf. Uh, Mark, Jason, I know you guys have done some stuff for Universal stuff as well. Can you mention any of those? Um, so I did a talk at NG Atlanta earlier this month, about two weeks ago now. So I went through a lot of the stuff that I went through now, but I only showed code snippets in uh, slides. And also talks about more of the benefits that you would get with server-side rendering, such as SEO and start render time. And it actually shows a film strip of a server-rendered app with Angular beating Google.com. So if you want to figure out how you can do that with your page, then that'd be a good place to start. I think those videos are all online, right? Um, on YouTube. Yeah, you should be able to find them under, I think, NG Atlanta Conference is a YouTube channel. Nice, nice. Yeah, and I've, I've done some talk like Angular Beers and PlumConf. I did some talks. Um, also, like Deep Dive and Universal, kind of more of the nitty-gritty, what's going on behind the scenes. And then in there, you can also get little uh, snippets and tidbits on how to use things like its platform browser, why you'd use it, uh, why are things like do documented window, why, why would that make your node server blow up, and how to get around it, and other cool like tips and tricks. and. Just things that like uh, are definitely a little bit outside of the scope of Angular, but really important if you want to do Universal. So, you know, check that out. Very nice. And it sounds like we could have another episode, probably on like uh, server state, transfer state. Another thing I think is compelling would be talking about Domino, right, and and stuff like that. So maybe we just need to schedule another episode if everybody's up for it. That'd be fun. Cool. That's what I can do. All right, so any other picks that anybody wants to drop here before we wrap up? Yeah, I got two quick picks. Uh, one is Angular Air episode 148, uh, the best Angular Air episode ever. Um, amazing. Definitely check it out. And then the other what is, is Nathan. About? What is, is uh, it going to be a mystery or what? 148, it's about Angular Universal. It's, it's this one. Um, and then the other one is Nathan Walker. So Phil this, Jeff was... What's this, up, guys? This, this is Nathan. Hey. What's up, buddy? <laughs> hey, look, look, look who it is. <laughs> I didn't know you guys Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so uh, as Bonnie mentioned, Nathan and I are working on our NGConf talk. Uh, we have uh, definitely some interesting stuff planned that hopefully we can pull it off. Um, so the other pick is, yeah, uh, definitely if you're coming to NGConf, then watch out for that. Or otherwise, definitely check it out on the live stream once it comes in April. Nice. That was like an in real life pick. That was weird. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> Very cool. I was not expecting that. You're just holding on to that the whole time. I don't know they were next to each other. Uh, for me, for picks, uh, I'm not sure what we what picks usually are, but uh, I know for something I'm excited about is definitely Ivy. 
And I know Justin, like you've seen a little bit about that and I haven't looked into it much. I just know I'm really excited for kind of the performance it's going to bring. And uh, it sounds like Rob Wormald thinks it could be possible for us to do things like rehydration with Universal, which is reusing what was already built in the server render. So that I think that would be exciting. To be clear, to be clear, <laughs> no one is saying that is possible yet. Yeah, uh, Mike, but there, there, there is a lot of interest, and yes, there is going to be an effort to try to make that work. Yeah, yeah. So that's just my second excitement for the day. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited about Ivy too. But enough about that. We'll see it soon in Angular six. I think maybe we'll see. Uh, my pick is not Angular related. It's actually a documentary that was produced. It's about AlphaGo. So DeepMind, I guess a part of Google now, developed an algorithm to play Go. And what they did is that they played against the world championship and or the world champion, and they beat them. And it's on Netflix, so you can find that in the show notes. Very nice. Very nice. It has a cool cool. AlphaGo. I mean, I don't know. That sounds pretty cool. All right, well, that's a wrap. We got a lot of content here today, which is great. We really appreciate it. Uh, thanks, Mark. Thanks, Jason, for coming on, um, sharing this content. Jason, you did an amazing job walking us through this journey. I, I really appreciate it. I uh, hope our viewers do too. It was great. Thank you. Yeah, great job, Jason. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Right. What was that? I said, thanks for having us. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anytime, anytime. We're going to have to schedule that second show to cover the additional information. So That'd be great. Uh, Let's uh, do it. My people talk to your people. And we'll <laughs> Perfect. All right, thanks, everyone. Have a good one. We'll catch everyone next week. Later. Later.